Do you want to hear Alien Caveman's Ransom in every room of your house? If you have Apple AirPlay 2, please visit dioconnect.com and check out Dio speakers. You can put one in every room, and then everywhere you go, I can read Alien Caveman's Ransom to you. And that's what you want. You think you don't want that, but that is what you want. Okay, we're on uh, Alien Caveman's Ransom chapters 9 and 10 today. Uh, summary, a group of female scientists were working on a translation program, were picked off the planet, taken to another planet and deposited. Uh, they did a, a failed coup on the ship. A mutiny, I guess. I guess, well, I guess if you have to be members of the crew to, to mutiny. So they were just prisoners. So they were just trying to escape. Uh, a lot of them died, pretty much most of them, of the people in the container they were dropped on died, except for only one of the main group, which we've been following. Sophie has been the main character so far. She went out to try to find, get water, fell in a river, which fell in, which sucked her into a hole, into a sacred cave where Jackson was, was doing his uh, abulations of some sort, maybe praying. Uh, they almost did it so she was unconscious and he went down on her and she was surprisingly okay with it uh she then said like no we should stop even though he's awesome uh she has this is a syndrome of some sort she's basically already fallen in love with a guy she's like you know, the last line is like you know i with this guy i can feel i feel totally safe uh there's a syndrome there it's not like stockholm syndrome because he hasn't kidnapped her but this is like she's fallen in love with him chemically out of desperation because it's the only thing that's been not trying to kill her while she's on the planet, which hasn't been very long. And she's fallen in love very quickly. But they, the book is called A Faded Romance. So I figure we just jump right in. So basically they've woken up after a night of sleep, a non-sexual sleep. They will... Oh, my prediction was that she's going to go back to her ladies and he's going to be like, you can't do that because it's like a sacred area or something, but they're not going to understand. She has to go. He goes with her, and then he brings them all to the village uh, where he's from, where they've never seen women. This is the first woman that Jackson has ever seen. And then from there, that's when the problems come because everyone wants a woman, but they don't realize you can't just take women. But of course, he, they have been treated as sacred so far, so that might be a thing. I don't know. I'm waiting to see what happens. Actually... This is one of the nice parts about this book. It has been very fairly unpredictable thus far. And I've made some accurate predictions on character building, but I haven't made a ton of accurate predictions on actual plot. So that's good. So let's get that on the screen. And let us get into chapter nine of Caveman Aliens Ransom, a sci-fi BBW alien faded mates romance. Caveman Aliens book one. I think there were seven or eight of these books. I'm not sure. But we are we have changed uh, perspective. This is Jackson. They put the name of whoever's speaking at the beginning of the chapter, which I quite like. Sophia suddenly seems sad, which I had expected. The water in the holy cave makes you dizzy and brave and aroused. <laughs> aroused. But the next day you feel a little down for an hour or two. It's not good to drink much of it. 
and the tribesmen usually avoid touching it at all if they after they try it a couple of times while they're young boys. This sounds like the river where they pray is alcoholic. Its holiness also keeps us from drinking it, except when something in our lives goes wrong and we want to spite the ancestors because of it. Well, that's nice. So they, they drink it out of defiance. I want her to feel less sad. I know she can't understand what I'm saying, but I tell her about the prophecy and that the ancestors have decided that she is to be my mate and that we will go home to my tribe and that she will marry me and that we will have many children in the mysterious way that the prophecy promises. That is a lot. Um, it does. It's weird that on a planet with no women, so no second gender, that marriage is a thing. And the assumption that you're going to have many children from a guy who doesn't know, I guess he doesn't know how children are made, so he just assumes we can have many of them. Uh, and then he keeps referring to a prophecy, which we haven't been told yet, which apparently means the woman carrying the child inside her for a period of time. So that's the nine months. In other words, she is the mother, the mother of this planet, the mother of Xren, X-R-E-N, Xren. I can't quite see how that will work, but they have promised it by letting me find her in this holy pool with water from the sacred boon. So it's necessary. So it's certain they rarely break promises. They could refer to the aliens, a, a third alien. So there's humans, the natives of the planet Zren, and the aliens who deposit her here. So there's actually three groups of aliens in play at the time. We, we are the aliens in this case. I enjoy looking at her. She, has, she is so different from every person I've ever met, so soft and round and luxurious. And her slit was just as delectable as I'd hoped. He's referring to his vagina as a slit the whole time. And I, it's one of the things that's making me think this is not written by a woman. Slick and delicate and pink and responsive. I'm glad the shamans educate everyone on how to use our mouths on a woman. Just in case it turns out that one of us is the chosen one. I am very interested in how this gets practiced. So they have sex ed for the possibility of sex. Huh? Because you might be the chosen one who actually meets a woman. It was extreme. And the way they're introducing is like, okay, you got to go down on her. Make sure she's happy. Which is, you know, I appreciate that. That's correct. But at the same time, huh? That's, that's, that's putting a lot out there. It was extremely unlikely. And I don't know how many of us took it seriously. But I did my best. And I'm glad I did. Because now it has turned out the chosen one is me. I can't quite grasp it, but she's sitting here as real as my sword, and she looks and smells so intoxicatingly enticing that I must rein myself in not to simply enjoy all the attractions her body has to offer. I continue the worship I showed her immediately upon discovering her. So oral sex is a form of worship to them, which is kind of cool. On the other hand, she is a sacred being, a gift from the ancestors. I must be careful and gentle with her, and she needs my protection. She is so small and beautiful and fragile, and so much here can kill her. Why? She doesn't even have a weapon. Well, the prophecy states it. The chosen one must protect and worship the mother and see to it that her needs are met, and I certainly will do that. After all, she is mine. Whoo, dude is taking a stance. And that was the whole chapter. We might have to do an 11. Because that was, that was only two pages. Chapter 10, Sophia. This was good. I say and venture a thumbs up. <laughs> Jackson frowns and then I wince. 
I better be careful with hand gestures. They might mean something quite different here. That's actually true. Hand gestures do mean uh, different things in different cultures. I finished the meat. It's not bad, and I'm not used to eating steak for breakfast. I'd kill for some coffee right now. Uh, this was an interesting thing. Uh, that it was a, this, one of the Stargate TV shows. It was one where they're on a spaceship, and the spaceship gets thrown off into space. They're talking that all the people on board were scientists who drink a ton of coffee. And it was like the next day when they couldn't have coffee, they were talking about like the morale of the crew and stuff or the people who are stuck on the ship. And they were, the doctor goes, oh, there are a lot of caffeine headaches and it's going to take a couple of days for it to get out of the system. So you should expect everyone to be incredibly irritable, which I thought, wow, that was a neat detail I wouldn't have thought of. That everyone would, if you get on a ship and get thrown into space and you don't have coffee, everyone who drinks like two cups of coffee every day is going to go through massive caffeine caffeine withdrawal and sugar, maybe that kind of stuff. Uh, it was just an interesting side note. Uh, I'd kill for some coffee right now, and maybe a newspaper and a croissant. Now that I'm dream, now that I, now that I'm dreaming, or my cell phone. None of the girls have them here because we all leave our phones and tablets outside the lab to protect the sensitive equipment there from radio signals. I wonder what's happening on Earth right now. Was that a real alien invasion? Well, it is real. You you were abducted. I mean, every news channel has to be blowing up about the abductions at least. Maybe all us girls are front page news right now with our pictures and our names and everything. Or maybe there's no one left on earth. It did look like the aliens only wanted women though. And now I have to find mine. My clothes have dried out during the night and I don't feel too clean. Excuse me. I walk behind a large bush for a little while and then back into the cave to see if I can wash a little. But Jackson shouts something and I turn. He's on his feet and comes over, not too happy. He lightly takes hold of my upper arm and looks at me very seriously. Vic tis Ted, he says. This is an important place, says another voice. And I almost jump out of my skin. Jackson lets go, lets go of my arm and draws his sword into movement so fast it's just a blur. We both look around. No one. That voice was familiar, though. Very familiar. So damn chipper. And then I remember the translator. I sheepishly pull the little thing out of my pocket and show it to Jackson. I think it was this. Ya troll redevre de ne, the translator says brightly. So as soon as they said at the beginning that they were working on a translator, I knew this was going to happen because it wasn't actually effective from English to other languages, like English to Italian or something like that, but it's suddenly very incredibly effective with, with alien speak, which I'm okay with. It was just funny how obvious it was. Jackson's eyes widen and his jaw drops. It's pretty unsettling to look at, I mean. He has eight very pointy fangs, and it reminds me that he can probably rip my throat out just like that. But I get the feeling that he can also protect me really well, and I feel another nice little tingle down below. Jeez. So again, like this is not natural. This is a syndrome. I'm thinking she's suffering from some form of PTSD that's just also connected to her sexuality now that uh, like I went down on her. Yeah, this might come in handy, I say. And the translator says something in a language that sounds a lot like Jackson's, except it's a bright, girly voice is totally wrong for him. But that can't be changed. I scratch my head and stare at the flat little translator in the palm of my hand. Sure. It does use a state-of-the-art chip with AI capabilities, but I had no idea it could teach itself an alien language this fast. It should need at least a hundred sentences to learn even the basic structure of an Earth language. I guess it's better than we thought, Jackson growls. Alien magic, the translator says. Hmm, not sure how smart it is to make him think that this is magic. Dude, he's never seen a machine, you have to assume. He's dealing with swords and stuff. So... 
a machine that has a voice that comes from your pocket, uh, charging it will actually be an interesting problem to see if they bother with the solution. Does it just have like an eternal battery? Is it solar powered? That kind of thing. He also, it does show that he knows what aliens are because he has in a previous chapter acknowledged the blue aliens that like, or the greys that kidnapped all the ladies to bring him here. So he knows about those. I have a feeling primitive people can react badly to that. I know witch burning was a popular thing on earth back in the day. No uh, people were actually burned as witches. They were drowned in other things, but there was actually uh, no witch burnings per se. But I'm not so sure. I'm not sure how to explain the chip in the tech in the algorithms. But then again, I'd struggle to explain that to myself. Not really. I say, and the translator dutifully translates, or I hope so. It's just a tool. Jackson peers at it and then seems to shrug. He places his sword back in his belt, takes my hand and leads me back to the fire and away from the opening of the cave. An important place, huh? I wonder if it can mean a sacred place. It did kind of feel like a church or a cathedral. Jackson wraps some grilled meat and leaves and places them in a bag. And then I guess we're ready to go somewhere. I have my gun and my translator and the damp clothes on my back and I have a mission. I point up the hill towards what I think is a mountain where the tuna can crash landed. I have to get back to the girls. Could you please help me? He points the other way and speaks. Home, safe, the translator offers. Chosen one, mother. I'm guessing he wants to take me home to his village to show me to his parents, which makes a lot of sense, but I can't come. I knew this is, this is the bit I was saying. Like, she has to get back to her friends. He wants to go to the village. So my prediction has been accurate. My prediction for bringing all the girls to the village, though, is that it's going to cause strife because everyone wants a girl and there won't be enough girls. I point again. My friends are up there. They need help. He glances up there and says something. Important hill. Forbidden, the translator says. Boon. Forbidden, huh? I guess probably he or his people made that pile of rocks with the spears that's supposed to be a warning. If so, it might be pretty hard to get him to go up there. Just my luck, the tuna can landed on Holy Mountain. I have to go there. My friends are in danger. They need help. I take a couple of steps up the hill so he can see that I'm not really asking. I'm telling him, I have to do this. He grunts, danger, important hill, death. Well, I can't expect him to follow me there if he thinks it will kill him. I have probably done enough damage to people already. You don't have to come. I'll go alone. And I totally will. I may be the bitch in the couch. This has been a constant in the chapters where she's like classifying herself and it's really annoying. I may be the bitch and a coward of the group of the story, but I'm not abandoning the girls. Jackson is frowning and his eyes are smoldering more than ever. Important place, danger, not go. I should probably avoid making him angry. I put my hand in my pockets and lightly grip the gun. I really have to get up there. I say as my last attempt. It's my sacred duty. Maybe inserting some holiness into this will help him relent. He considers it and frowns, but he also can consider all he wants. This isn't his decision. Oh, he can also consider all he wants. This isn't his decision to make. I take a deep breath and turn my back, walking up the hill. I put a little extra swing into my hips. Maybe my ass will convince him when pure reason won't. That's actually pretty sensible. I was thinking this was going to go somewhere more sexual more quickly, that she was going to be like, kiss him or touch him and stuff, and then he would follow her, because men are simple, if we're being really honest. I glance behind me. He's still standing there, frowning. My heart sinks in my chest. Well, it was worth a try. I walk on with less hip movement. The hillside is pretty steep. Then I hear Jackson grunt something that sounds angry. Human waste, the translator chirps. Yes, that sounds like a polite version of what he said. Uh, and then the caveman comes walking up to me with long, strong strides. He points up the hill. Friends? I jump my chin out the way that I hope means yes. Friends. 
da 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 immediately the Friends theme song stuck, jumped in my head. He fixes his stare on me, and I have a strong urge to flinch and look away because it's looking straight into Judgment Day. Danger. And I hold my own and stare back. I won't be down on this. Friends. He takes a deep breath, glances up the hill, and blows air out between his teeth in a way that means damn it on earth. Then he starts walking up the steep incline. I scramble after him. He really doesn't want to do this. It's pretty obvious he's doing it for my sake only. My heart overflows with gratitude and I'm so moved I want to cry. I feel so much safer with him by my side and I will absolutely want to reward him for that later. Oh, one way or another. That's creepy. She's using sex to control this man, which is also relatively dishonest if we're being truthful. His strong back and his powerful legs and his cute little butt flex and move in front of me, and I keep close to him. I keep look out. I keep look out upwards. Hmm, it's a weird sense. Those not dactyls scared me almost to death yesterday, and this mountain is where they came from. Probably this is where they live, and that's the reason Jackson says it's forbidden. But when the attack comes, it's not from above. I see Jackson snap his head around. He yells something that the translator doesn't catch. In a split second, his sword is in his hand, and he's beside me, taking my hand and yanking me so I'm behind him. Only then do I see what he spotted. A giant centipede the size of a living room couch, just much longer. It has many long tentacles sticking out from its front. This is like a 1950s movie now, as well as two black scissor blade-like scissor-like blades it zigzags and slithers up the hill at an amazing speed and i can feel the blood drain from my face that's the worst thing i've ever seen and it's coming right for us jackson puts his arm behind him so he's shielding me and then he winds up and throws his sword it rotates through the air and hits the terrible creature right in the middle of the face cleaving the whole thing in half for at least the first six feet of its body the rest of the centipede slowly falls over Okay, so they said gravity is different, but these guys are supposed to be ridiculously strong, and that is a lot. Jackson goes down the slope and yanks his sword out of the dead thing, then wipes it on the grass and comes back up to me with a little grin on his face. Very dangerous, he says unnecessarily. I'm shaking like a leaf, and I cling to him when he gets to me. Damn, that thing scared me. He hugs me with one arm and says something more. Danger, but Zofia is safe with Jackson, the translator says. Oh, my heavens, if he hadn't come along and I'd been here when that thing charged... I can't finish the thought. I just shudder and cling to him more before I let him go. Thanks. That was a fantastic throw. He just smirks and we continue upwards, me on shaky legs. The vegetation gets thicker the further up the hill we go, and I can recognize plants uh, that look a lot like ferns. That makes the place look more Jurassic. Jackson turns around and I reflexively scurry and shelter behind his broad back, but he doesn't get out his sword, just points down the hill. And stole her. A big, the translator says. Uh Uh-huh, I say, looking down the valley from behind him. And sure enough, that's a pretty big thing he's just seeing. It's far away, probably a couple miles at least. Oh my God, that's huge. It's a real dinosaur. Huge and lumbering, and it walks on six legs, moving just like one of them. But at the same time, those huge walking machines in some of the Star Wars movies. She's talking about the AT-AT. It's easily 100 feet long and covered with what looks like dirty feathers, and it looks like it's walking backwards because the tiny head is placed on top of an extremely long neck at the far back of its body. But the tail is right there too, so that's probably just the way it's evolved. So she's doing one of the like giant, giant dinosaurs with long necks, but she's put it to the back of the body. That's interesting. 
walking with most of its body first and the neck last. It's strangely graceful and totally mesmerizing to watch. Jackson puts his hand on his hips and doesn't seem too worried. The dino isn't coming in our direction, so I allow myself to relax just to admire it. I can hear the ground thunder distantly each time it puts a foot down on the ground, and it has to weigh the same as an apartment building. Why feathers, though? Surely those things can't fly. Jackson points, Se, look, comes the translation. Oh my... Someone is stalking the huge dinosaur. Two smaller creatures are closing in from the sides, clearly about to attack it from either side. They're black with yellow stripes and look extremely deadly, with large streamlined heads and mouths that look very large from where we are standing. Uh, they have spikes along their spines and a whole lo- bunch of long whip-like tails each. They have two front legs in front, but I have trouble seeing what's holding them up further back. We watch in silence as the two predators close in from the huge dino. Then they pounce, both at the same time, from opposite directions. The victim pulls its head back and roars, uh, rears two of its front legs into the air. And a second later, we can hear it scream, a deep, piercing howl like a foghorn. The two attackers appear to have bitten themselves into the dino's sides, and they're chomping down on it hard. And now I can see their rear parts. They have huge wheels in the middle of their body, and, that, and they're clearly part of them. I see the reason to now. They're hanging onto the dino with their mouths. It's still moving, and the attackers can roll effortlessly along it with their wheels while using their energy to bite down. They've got it, I state. It makes me sad that huge, goofy-looking dino was just minding its own business, and now I can see its feathered flanks dark with blood. Still, the foghorn noise persists, and the dino doesn't seem to be fighting back in any way. Not yet, Jackson says through the translator. And now I see why. There are two more creatures moving in, large and squat, six-legged creatures with big triangular heads and the same feathery look as the big one. They're different from it, but at the same time, there's something very similar about them. They approach the attackers from each side, and then they ram their heads into the wheel and jams them. Immediately, a lot of dust rises around the altercation as the wheels that are part of the attacker stop turning and start scraping up the ground. The foghorn sound stops, and the attackers both lose their grip on the dino. They fall to the ground, and the two defenders immediately pounce on them while their huge, goofy one while the huge, goofy one keeps on walking away. By the end, the attackers are slinking off back the way they came, and the defenders trot after the dino. Oh. The wheel doesn't make sense, evolutionarily speaking. Do you have any animals with a wheel? And how would it be in your body? You would need like a wheel well for that to work. And she made it sound like it was in the middle of their body. No, I I think legs make more sense. Are those its kids, I ask out loud? They're totally different, but strangely familiar. No, Jackson says amused. Set. That's 20 minutes. No, that's good. Okay, I was going to do another chapter because the first one was so short, but I think that second chapter was quite long. So I'm going to stop there because, again, everything's rushed today. So he's agreed to go up and get the girls. So I have to make my prediction, my final predictions. They're going to go up and get the girls, and then they're going to go back down to the village because it's safe. But then this is going to cause a big kerfuffle because everyone wants a girl. Everyone wants to be the chosen one. So some of them are going to kidnap girls. Oh, this is the alien caveman's ransom. Some of them are going to kidnap girls and they have to get them back and that's the rest of the book. And then we get our antagonist proper. Like one of the cavemen who's kidnapped a girl is going to be the antagonist for Jackson and Sophia at the beginning. I think I see where this is going. Uh, It'll actually be interesting to see if that's how it works out. 